The following feature has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences and parental discretion is advised. Home box office will show this feature only at night. Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh man, multiple sadness. Welcome to Multiple Sadness, a horrible podcast about horrible movies. So bad they're good, but still mostly bad. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. And on today's episode, we will get all bloody making s'mores on this week's movie, Camp Blood, the Musical. Now, you might be saying to yourself, is a movie like Camp Blood, the Musical, even worth reviewing? Camp Blood, the Musical isn't Friday the 13th or even Cannibal, the Musical. Not even close. But to that, I say all bad movies deserve a review, even the ones that bring us multiple sadness. Uh, Normally, this is where I play the trailer, but uh, this movie does not have an official (laughs) trailer or did not get an official release, and so there is no trailer to play. So we will jump right in to the basics of this movie. Originally released in 2006, Camp Blood the Musical was written by Tanner Barklow, Jefferson Craig, and Thomas Hughes. It was directed by Tanner Barklow, Jefferson Craig, and Thomas Hughes. It was edited by Tanner Barklow, Jefferson Craig, and Thomas Hughes, and produced by Tanner Barklow, Jefferson Craig, and Thomas Hughes. I, looks like uh, kind of a, well, I was, was going to say a one-man show, but it's really a three-man show. IMDb, amazingly, <laughs> I cannot believe this, gives this film 6.7 out of 10 stars. Uh, but unfortunately, normally where IMDb says people who like this film also liked other films, it doesn't show any other films. I guess that's because, uh, Camp Blood the Musical did not get an official release. The cast, if you go through the cast on IMDb and click all the actors' names, they all say this person is most known for being in Camp Blood the Musical. <laughs> Uh, and most of these people are known only for being in Camp Blood, the musical. So instead of uh, listing everybody's names, I will just give you the rundown of the characters. There are six camp counselors in this movie, and their names in IMDb are Chris the Virgin. Chris is a girl's name. Uh, we have Chris the Virgin, who is a bubbly uh, young lady with a ponytail and, uh, and a bright smile. We have JT the Jock. So, uh, where are you from? Chicago. Ah, the Motor City. JT wears a uh, red headband and a uh, cut-off <laughs> t-shirt so that we know he's the jock. We have Kane, the rebel. I don't know why that he's called Kane the rebel. He really should be called Kane the drug dealer, but we have Kane the rebel, uh, who appears mostly wearing his leather jacket, and he also has a pair of sweet uh, giant headphones from, uh, I was going to say the 80s, but really I think these are like from the 70s. We have Angel the Goth. Uh, She's obviously very recognizable with her goth makeup and giant hairdo. Also in the credits, there is another listing for Angel's vocals. So her uh, vocals and her singing bits have been overdubbed. 
We have Justine the Slut, which is a very not nice way to refer to somebody. <laughs> and she has blonde hair and wears uh, short shorts. Where's the nerd? He's probably in the woods jerking off to the crickets or something. <laughs> And uh, so she's also very recognizable. And then finally, we have Marty the Nerd. I suppose one alcoholic beverage enjoyed responsibly couldn't hurt. Looks like Marty's going to party. Who is a uh, skinny, nerdy-looking guy that they've put, obviously, nerd glasses uh, on him. So what I like about the cast right off the bat is even though there are six characters, you know who they all are. They all look very unique, and they all look very different from one another. I watched, um, gosh, what was it? Uh, something not too long ago, some horror movie and everybody looked the same to me, you know? Uh, so I like that in this movie, they're, they're all easily identifiable. We also have the killer and, uh, in the closing credits, there's a note that, uh, uh, someone else did the killer's vocals for his, uh, singing bits. And uh, there's also a killer body double. So apparently uh, more than one person uh, played the killer. There is a janitor that appears in the movie. The janitor is also the uh, van driver that goes, picks up the kids. When do you think he's going to show up? Don't know. Don't care. I got shit to do. And that was before I came and picked you up. We have counselor Scudamore, who is the counselor uh, waiting at uh, Camp Blood for all the kids to show up or uh, the other counselors to show up. Here's a guarantee for you. No, if I don't see my food here tomorrow, then you're going to get a call from my lawyer. And then finally, there's one person billed as lesbian trucker, um, who's not really a trucker like what we think of driving, you know, a big giant Mack truck. She's driving a small pickup truck. Uh, and there's really no <laughs> reason that you would think uh, anything about her sexuality, but that's uh, how she is billed in the credits as the lesbian trucker. So the uh, brief plot summary, we have six camp counselors who arrive at Camp Blood for uh, working for the summer with kids. Uh, when they arrive, they cannot find the head counselor who appears to be missing, uh, but the killer isn't. <laughs> and so uh, one by one, the counselors begin being murdered by the mysterious killer until the final showdown towards the end of the movie. This movie is 30 minutes long and contains seven songs. <laughs> so that's pretty much the synopsis of Camp Blood the Musical. Let's jump right in uh, to my impressions and details of the movie. Well, first of all, how did I hear about this movie um, I, I used to run, well, I still run a website on the side. It's not very active. I don't post to it a lot, but it's called reviewomatic.com. That's review hyphen O hyphen matic.com. And I, I just used to post all my reviews there. Uh, and, um, when I was doing movie reviews, I would occasionally get people, uh, recommend movies or send me movies or links to movies. And someone recommended that I watch can't blood the musical. And I did. And I have been in love with this movie ever since the title breakdown. Well, it's called can't blood the musical. So you have, uh, you know, two parts there, can't blood <laughs> and the musical. Uh, if you are not a horror film aficionado, you might not know, uh, that, uh, the original working title for Friday, the 13th, the original horror franchise, 
The original working title for the first film was called A Long Night at Camp Blood. And in fact, the book that was released in 2005 covering the making of all the films is called Making Friday the 13th, The Legend of Camp Blood. So uh, the, the phrase Camp Blood goes back a long way. It goes all the way back to Friday the 13th. There's a series of movies called Camp Blood. Uh, there's Camp Blood, Camp Blood 2. I believe uh, everything after the first one is direct-to-video release. There's Within the Woods, which is Camp Blood 3, and then Camp Blood for Slaughter. Lost Tales from Camp Blood is a different series of uh, videos. So the name Camp Blood has been used a lot uh, in other horror films and references, and and, uh, and this movie, uh, which is a horror parody, it has been used to reference uh, the original Friday the 13th film. So I'm not crazy about the name Camp Blood. Obviously, it's a funny name, uh, and uh, you know you know what you're getting into. But uh, it makes it a little bit hard to find information about this film because there's so many other references to Camp Blood, different movies that contain the phrase Camp Blood. Uh, and then the second half of the title is uh, obviously, you know, the phrase The Musical, <laughs> which tells us uh, if they are being honest to us up front that there's going to be uh, songs singing and dancing in this movie. And in fact, there is. Uh, there are seven songs within this film's 30-minute uh, running time. And that 30 minutes includes opening and closing credits. So uh, it's a short film that gets right to the point. The cover breakdown, well, I have never actually seen this movie for sale anywhere, but there is a, uh, a kind of fake, I guess, movie poster. If you go to Wikipedia and look up Camp Blood the Musical, you can see it. Uh, it is a picture. It's a close-up shot of a uh, female, and the shot is cropped at her neck, uh, down to her waist, so it's basically her torso. Uh, she is wearing a, uh, a yellow shirt that says Camp Blood, the musical on it. Now, the yellow uh, T-shirt, it has a black logo that says Camp Blood, and we see the shirt uh, being worn by all the counselors and everyone else in the film. Uh, and then the words, the musical is written in blood, and the girl also has blood uh, on her, her chest, like in her cleavage area, and on her neck. So, Camp Blood, the musical. Again, uh, very direct and to-the-point marketing. We see a female, we see blood, and we see the phrase Camp Blood, the musical. So no surprises uh, in this film. You know what you're getting up front. And by the way, I know that I've added that new disclaimer at the front, but I'll throw it in one more time. Uh, this movie does contain uh, sex, drugs, uh, and foul language. So uh, you have been warned. The plot of this movie, as it is, uh, is a parody of Friday the 13th and a parody of, uh, not Friday the 13th directly, but all of those slasher-type films. You have these kids who are counselors who show up, and there's a killer on the loose at the camp. That's basically the plot. Uh, and, and in these types of movies, the killer always has some sort of reason. Usually it's not against the people he's killing, per se, but maybe against the camp. Uh, and in this movie, uh, that's uh, also the case. Uh, we get to know everyone one at a time uh, very early on through one or two lines. So again, each character has their own personality and their own look. So I, I really do like that about the film. Um, the plot... When you first watch this film, <laughs> uh, if you don't appreciate how 
badly good the songs are and the singing and the performance of these songs. And you'll be hearing little clips of all the songs later on in the show. The the songs slow down the pace of the film, especially the uh, the kind of soft, um, you know, romantic type songs. They do slow the pace of the movie down, and they are a big chunk of the the movie. I would say most of the songs are roughly two minutes long, so with a thirty minute running time, uh, basically you're looking at half of this film is uh, is musical numbers. So it's not a movie that moves forward very quickly, even though. Uh, in some cases, the plot is actually advanced during the musical, which is not uh, uh, something that I expected in a couple of the tracks there. It's not, and it's even uh, mockingly pointed out uh, that it's not. Um, any social commentary contained in this film? Well, uh, for you know what it is, it is a parody of those types of horror movies and of the genre in general. So... Uh, obviously you have the, uh, the stereotypes, each character is, uh, you know, a very one dimensional character with, uh, uh, you know, one, one, uh, purpose to serve in the plot. So it's definitely not a, uh, a deep movie and it's not meant to me. It's meant to, uh, you know, poke a little fun at the genre and, uh, and entertain. And I think it does both of those things, uh, wonderfully. Uh, the writing and the acting, you know, when I, when I comment about the writing, a lot of times I'm talking about like the jokes and the things that are written into, uh, uh, the movie and, uh, the writing on this movie is not deep. Now it, I did read, uh, a quote. I read a couple of quotes from the, uh, the writers and directors, the trio I, I joked about earlier. And, uh, they said that the script was written in two hours and the songs in another seven hours. So, I mean, that's basically the kind of quality that you're going to get here. There are some little joking one-liners and different things that the characters do. But, um, you know, you think maybe if they had stretched it out and worked on it like for a whole weekend instead of uh, (laughs) just two hours or something, they might have been able to get some uh, wittier uh, lines into the script or whatever. But even as it is, it's it's an entertaining film. It is uh, charming is the word I would use. Uh, it, it just has a certain amount of charm to it. In regards to costumes and props, so another quote that I found, uh, and you'll find these quotes because it appears that these guys did very little press regarding Camp Blood the Musical. I can't find hardly anything about this. And all the articles that you find have the exact same quote. So it seems like they all came from maybe a single press release. Um but uh, the other quote that I found says that it was shot on a budget of $200, and most of that went on T-shirts and beer. Uh, so the T-shirts, everybody that we see involved uh, with the camp are wearing the same shirts. They're yellow shirts, and they have the logo that says Camp Blood written in black. They're silk screened. So, you know, seven custom shirts, eight custom shirts, however many uh, that you see in the film. Uh, yeah, that would take up a a chunk of your $200 budget. And then there is a lot of beer drinking, uh, as well that takes place in the movie. So, but I like the fact, um, that it says it's a budget of $200 because, and, and obviously I, you know, you, you have to think, well, there were certain things that, that must have, if you added in, must have cost more, you know, things like if things were painted or, uh, if someone, you know, had a prop or things like that. But, um, but I like the fact that, um, 
that some guys could get together, put together a script, get some friends together, uh, and throw a movie together over the weekend and have it be uh, this entertaining. And that, and that's basically what this is. For uh, set and filming locations, I am not sure where this movie was filmed. It looks to me like the directors and uh, everybody involved are in the Northeast. Uh, so uh, I tracked down a couple of them on LinkedIn, and they're in the Philadelphia area. I know this was uh, entered in a film festival in Rhode Island, so I'm guessing that it was filmed uh, at a uh, some sort of summer camp up in that uh, area of the country. But other than that, I don't know specifically where it was filmed. Also, several of the numbers take place in front of a painted backdrop. And this is like um, like a backdrop that you would expect to see behind a sixth grade theater production, like <laughs> giant cartoony drawings uh, of a camp. So, uh, And it just adds to the charm that this is a... Uh, you know, almost like a, a play that's being put on. Um, but, uh, yeah, there are some exterior shots of, uh, uh, the, uh, cabins at the camp and a lot of it takes place inside a camp and, and a lot of it takes place outside the camp, like at picnic tables and such. So, uh, you, you do get the feeling that they, maybe they rented a camp for a weekend or went and visited one or whatever and, and shot the movie. But, but, uh, yeah, so that, that actually works for them. Uh, so let's get to the soundtrack, which is a big giant chunk of uh, this movie. And, um, we have, as I mentioned, uh, seven songs. There's actually an eighth song that appears, uh, in the, uh, movie. The first song is, uh, called the camp blood theme, which is sung by the entire cast by the entire cast. This is all the, uh, counselors. The sky is clear. The flowers bloom, the sun is shining Quite near To when the kids will be arriving here Listen to that The birds are singing nature's theme song I'm glad I don't believe a thing could go wrong at Camp this is when we meet a lot of the characters and uh, and we get the uh, the first view of them and and I'll actually I'm going to play this entire song at the very end of the podcast. So if you want to hear the whole song, uh, it will be at the end of the podcast and and it's entertaining. Um, second is the love song between uh, Chris, the young virgin, and JT, the uh, the love interest and in the sports uh, the jock. Uh, and this song is uh, called In Your Arms. There's no place I'd rather be than In your arms I could fight against an army In your arms There's nothing that can harm me In your arms Yikes. Uh, and these are, you can tell these are not the people uh, that were overdubbed. <laughs> The third song that appears in the movie uh, really caught me off guard and really made me laugh. It was the first of two that um, uh, really made me laugh, and it is called When the Tops Come Off. It is sung by Angel the Goth and Justine uh, the Slut, and the other cast characters do make appearances in the song. This might be really obscene if we were really 16, but let's cut to the chase. Suspend this belief so that this doesn't seem out of place. And the tops 
it should be noted that uh, this song is sung with their tops off and the other characters making reference to that. Uh, so uh, that's uh, when the tops come off. The fourth song is also sung by Angel, and uh, it's called It's a Chase, Death Race. note that the uh, musical quality of those two songs are a bit better. And, and uh, if you remember, I mentioned in the credits that Angel has someone else doing her singing. So they, they obviously got somebody with a little bit better voice uh, to do those songs. Why they didn't overdub all of them or, uh, you know, the, the love songs or whatever, I don't know. But um, uh, but anyway, that was uh, It's a Chase Death Race, which is actually a pretty uh, catchy song. Uh, then we have, uh, the first reprise, which is, uh, the reprise of In Your Arms, uh, again, sung by Chris and JT. The sixth song we come to, uh, let, me, let me double check. The sixth song, yes, uh, is um, one that really cracked me up. I was not expecting this at all when I first watched the film. Uh, and it is called The Killer's Song. And so this is uh, when the killer presents his point of view to the audience and tells us uh, uh, some of the motives behind why he is killing. Oh, what's been the point? Of this killing spree It's the Feeling that I get When the night tears the flesh It's the sense of satisfaction From a camper's dying breath It's the sound of desperate pleading As they're bleeding on the floor And, I... and uh, yeah, that one, that one gets me That one was hilarious And then the uh, last song That is sung by the cast Is the victory song Slash Camp Blood theme uh, and it is the reprise sung by Chris. I'd be pleased just to forget this camp and camp all alone in these woods. What am I gonna do? Now, there is one additional song. Uh, that appears in this song, and it is called The Demon of Time, and it is performed by Falcon Hammer. I have no idea who Falcon Hammer is. I've looked online. I did some Google searching. If anybody can find things on Falcon Hammer, please let me know. Um, but uh, the the band is even name-checked uh, in the middle of the, uh, of the movie. Kane, the rebel, is listening uh, to his headphones, and he tells someone he's listening to Falcon Hammer. And uh, this song is is uh, so short that I'm actually going to play the whole song right here, and the entire song is about 30 seconds in length. Let's not his eyes, his sinister visage of hate. The Falcon 
Finally, we have uh, special effects and stunts. There aren't really any stunts per se. Uh, nobody, you know, falls off a roof or falls through glass or anything like that. This, uh, uh, like you might expect in a horror film, but uh, there are some special effects. I mean, there's some people getting stabbed and killed in creative ways. When Marty the Nerd uh, gets it, you know, he. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the killer actually uh, breaks the end off of an oar and shoves an entire oar down his throat. So just the paddle is sticking up uh, th- out of his mouth. And, uh, you know, so there's a few things like that. And again, uh, every special effect in this movie, when you watch him, you know, there's a guy that gets stabbed in the stomach and he's a really skinny guy. And then right when he gets stabbed, it looks like he's about eight months pregnant. He has this huge bump under his shirt and that's where the knife goes, you know? So, uh, it would be like if you and your friends were sitting around and said, gosh, how could we make these special effects? And that's exactly what these guys did again for $200. So, uh, but you're not, you're not really in it for the special effects or the singing quality or anything else like that. You're in it for the fun. Uh, and this movie does bring the fun. It also brings, uh, some pretty good, uh, dialogue. So with that, uh, we will get into the top five quotes from the film. Number five. Okay, you guys, I've got one. So when I was a little girl, my grandmother... Fuck your grandmother. Number four. Jesus, Mr. Cuddles, you scared the crap out of me. Fucking cat. Number three. I mean, you better be careful or uh, you might get bitten by the promiscuous flabius, a.k.a. the love bug. Fuck off, nerd. Number two. Didn't you hear the first time? She said, fuck off, nerd. <laughs> Number one. You got any more coke? Does Olivia Newton-John get physical? And now it's time for the killer bees. Wait a minute. You must be the... That's right, gringo. The killer bees. The killer bees refers to bloody bodies, boobs, background blinks, B-movie tropes, and boggling questions. So bloody bodies, here we go with the uh, running through the list. We are way deep into spoiler territory here. Uh, we have Counselor Scudamore, who gets stabbed in the belly, and that happens before the opening credits. Marty the Nerd gets the canoe paddle completely shoved down his throat. Uh, at the end of the tops come off, we watch the janitor spy on the girls in the bathroom as they're in the shower, and then he gets a knife to the eye through the hole in the wall. Uh, Kane the Rebel is strangled by his own headphone cords. Angel the Goth uh, is, I guess, asphyxiated, you would say. She uh, falls face down in mud, and the killer holds her uh, head in the mud with his foot. Justine the Slut and JT the Jock are killed at the same time while they are performing an adult act. <laughs> and uh, the uh, there's some simulated sex in this movie, um, so you don't see anything during the sex scenes. Um, but uh, while they are doing that, they get stabbed uh, by a metal rod in such a way that, that kills both of them at the same time. Uh, we have the lesbian trucker who uh, gets smothered with a plastic bag over her head. And uh, then there is one final murder that I will, uh, or death that I will disclose at the end of the show uh, in the spoiler section. Uh, Let's talk about some boobs. (laughs) 
<laughs> I always feel dirty talking about this part. Uh, there are two, as I mentioned, different sex scenes. Uh, you cannot see any nudity in either sex scene, uh, but it's definitely not something you would want uh, to be watching in front of your children. Uh, there's also a reference to skinny dipping. Uh, they are standing around in their underwear, so nobody is actually naked before they go skinny dipping. Uh, but the big nudity comes in the tops come off, and it's uh, uncomfortably long. It's not like it's a fleeting shot uh, of two young ladies singing with their tops off. It's a two-minute song <laughs> that is performed topless. So uh, kind of awkward if you're watching it uh, with your wife, as I was. Um B-movie tropes, I mean, this movie is filled with them, and they're intentional. This is a uh, a parody of the horror genre. Uh, so you have all the characters that are uh, uh, stereotypes. You know, I mean, you could call, okay, it's the goth or it's the jock, you know, whatever. So uh, you have that. Um, there are other tropes, things that we've seen in other horror movies that are done here, I think, probably jokingly. Uh, in one, one scene, Chris is running away from the killer, she gets into the van, locks the door, the van won't start, and then suddenly the killer is inside the van behind her and she has to jump out and run away, which uh, is not, you know, really possible. Um, there's also the stereotype of people running through the woods and falling and not being able to get away from the killer and things like that. So, you know, lots of uh, stereotypes, but done in a joking manner. But there is one boggling question, and it's not about, you know, the plot. It's not about the songs or the music or anything. The boggling question to me is why can I not buy this movie? This movie went to the film festivals. It was on YouTube for a long time. It doesn't appear to be on YouTube anymore. Um, so there are ways to find this movie and watch it. But this is a movie that is so bad, um, but... It's um, really it's this is the type of movie I was thinking about when I first started this podcast. This is a movie that's so bad and makes you laugh so much. I mean, there's nothing about it, really, that's good. I mean, if you looked at it like the plot is dumb, the acting is terrible, the singing is worse than the acting. Uh, there's nothing about it where you would say, oh, that's really good. And when you're done watching it. I was laughing so hard that my immediate thing was, who am I going to show this to next? And I used to have a movie night. My friends would come over and we would drink beer and uh, I would set up, you know, some different movies for us to watch. And immediately, you know, a week or two after I saw this movie, when everybody came over, we watched this movie and they all loved it. And, um, you know, they wanted copies of it to show to their other friends. So this is a type of movie. I mean, if this were available for online streaming uh, or, you know, to, to buy a bare bones DVD for five or $10 or, or whatever, something like that. I think this movie would sell like hotcakes. And I just, uh, I, I feel bad that I can't find any way to, I would, I would PayPal these guys, you know, 10 bucks and be like, I have got 10 bucks. I'd PayPal all three of them, 10 bucks, uh, and just tell them, you know, uh, I enjoyed this movie. My friends enjoyed this movie. We all got a kick out of it. We appreciate uh, you know, what you did. And there just doesn't seem to be any way to do that. So that would, that's my boggling question. I mean, who wouldn't want to go back to school with a Camp Blood the Musical t-shirt on or anything, you know? So that that's um, really my only uh, boggling question. My multiple sadness rating for this movie, how much do I enjoy this movie? On a scale of one to five, I give this movie five Camp Blood t-shirts. This movie, if you can find it, uh, and, and you know, it's not for everybody. 
It's got uh, drug use, as I mentioned. It's got two topless girls doing a musical number. Uh, it has uh, some pretty rough language, as you heard in my top five quotes. But that being said, I, I there's something about the charm of this movie. Um, you know, it, it reminds me of, in a way, of uh, Kevin Smith's uh, Clerks, the original first movie that he put out that was um, – there was no budget. There was no, uh, you know, it was filmed after hours in the convenience store, all these different things that they struggled to put out a movie. And that's what this reminds me of. Like I said, there's no part of it that should make this a good movie. But at the end of it, uh, you know, if you're the type of person that enjoys this sort of thing, it, it's it's great. It's a classic. So uh, I highly recommend it. If you, I, I got a feeling if you have made it to episode five of this podcast, you're probably the type of person that would enjoy watching this. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of Multiple Sadness. It's a short movie, and this is a short episode. Uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com forward slash Multiple Sadness. You can follow us on Twitter at Multiple Sadness, or uh, if you'd rather, you can just follow me directly at Commodork. Uh, you can find episodes and RSS feeds and iTunes links and all that sort of stuff over at MultipleSadness.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear other podcasts from me, you can go check out RobOHara.com forward slash podcasts. Multiple Sadness is a proud member of the ACPN.com podcast network. You can find this and other great podcasts by going to theacpn.com. If you enjoy these types of movies, also be sure to check out Crazy Creepy Cool Movies by Doug McCoy. That is a podcast that appears on throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. We will wind out the show with spoilers about this film. And maybe some other extras, too. Spoiler alert. So after all the other counselors are murdered, Chris finds newspaper clippings explaining that the killer is a former camp counselor. She runs away. The killer chases her. And as she's running across the road, a car stops to assist her. The killer kills the driver of the car. But Chris is able to get in the car and run over the killer. As he's laying dying on the road, she is able to pull his ski mask off and reveal the killer's identity to be the disgruntled counselor. After this, Chris returns to the camp to sing her final song. And speaking of final songs, here is the first song that appears in the uh, movie, the original Camp Blood. The sky is clear, the flowers bloom, the sun is shining, quite near to when the kids will be arriving here. Listen to that. The birds are singing nature's theme song I'm glad I don't believe a thing could go wrong at Camp Blood All alone in these woods What are we gonna do? Let's bust out the canoes Making arts and crafts and swimming Playing tag Camp Blood No televisions Paint and night blocks 
Justine, now that the show's over, I was wondering if you might want to go up the hill with me up to uh, my grandma's cabin and... uh... Fuck your grandmother. Okay. 